Electronic Specifier. Hi, my name is Mick Elliott, and it is my pleasure to welcome you to this latest edition on, in the Electronic Specifier Insights podcast series. The component distribution company Farnell recently published the results from its Women in Engineering survey, and such surveys can elicit valuable insights and lessons to be learned. Survey respondents were from all levels of the industry, from apprentice level to senior management. Topics covered included discrimination in the workplace, the impact of COVID-19, and the importance of great female leaders. I'm delighted to say that joining me to discuss these results is Heather Falera, Director of Interconnect Passives and EMAC Products at Premier Farnell. So, Heather, welcome. Thank you, Rick. Thank you for having me. First question, how how did you get into the electronics engineering industry? Uh, Was it always your choice of career? Um, Was there a role model that inspired you? Can you just explain how you came to be in electronics? Sure, absolutely. You know, I would say that I didn't uh, pursue this industry, but I'm so glad I found it. Um, I'm really grateful for the journey that has gotten me here. Um, I actually, when I was in my undergrad studies in university, I was studying marketing and a minor in psychology. And at that point, I thought, well, that minor would serve me well because customers are changing and then we can know why and, and that kind of thing. So I was really more focused at, of marketing at that time. And I uh, came to work at a manufacturer in a development program where I uh, was really lucky to have experience across a number of different uh, groups, logistics and manufacturing, marketing, and supporting products after they came down an assembly line. And so I was really in that aftermarket uh, part of the the business. And so um, as I was in, in, in that type of work, doing product management and some sales work, I really thought this e-commerce piece is really going to be explosive and it, and it was exciting. And so that was really what I wanted to tee up my MBA studies in was around marketing, e-commerce, international business. And so this industry really was a wonderful find for me because I uh, get to live that every day. And the marketing piece, you know, how to commercialize product, I think that, you know, um, I do that every day, so align with those studies, but it's an industry that I really never really gave much thought of, you know, when I was studying. Um, the great thing about this industry is that the technology is moving so fast, and that part of it is really exciting, right? Um, you know, we work with some of the best suppliers in the business, and they're constantly innovating, and so I can't say I'm an engineer, but I have more of a technical interest or aptitude, and that conversation has really been fun to be a part of that evolution. Evolution. And then on the other side of that is all the tools that have changed over time. And that part of it is really exciting. So I think that that continues to develop people and change the conversation, expand our creativity. So the industry just keeps on giving more opportunity as it continues to change, really. OK, I mean, looking at your day to day job, what, what does that entail and what do you enjoy most about it? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so my day to day is interacting with suppliers on our product. We have a product management team, a supplier management team, really focused on those technologies that you mentioned. So interconnect passives and electromechanical. And so we have the opportunity to work with all of the suppliers creating that technology and then translate those conversations to our internal teams to say, okay, this trend is coming. So we need to be prepared, um, on how we commercialize products differently, right? We, how 
do we price stock market and sell those products in a way that um, our competitors don't? And so I think that that part of it really keeps people um, challenging each other. I think the partnerships have been really rewarding and creative. And so um, I, I say this often that people within distribution or in these types of roles within distribution just have an opportunity to develop so much because we're in, uh, at the heart of a lot of those conversations. Okay, and you're bringing product management and kind of supplier relationships together. Right. What, what's, what sort of process goes on there with you overseeing this, this process? Yeah, actually, so, you know, on the product management side, that's really owning the technology, right? So we have experts within switches or connectors, right, where they really know the competitive landscape, they know their portfolio, and they know all of the tips and tricks on how to make that successful. Mm-hmm. Right. And then on the supplier side, that's really owning the relationship. And so, you know, how do we make that relationship uh, successful across the many ways in which we interact? Um, right. Our product portfolio, how we market those products and then how we bring it home through our e-commerce and sales teams to really sell the product. So, you know, bringing those teams together. I think that we have lots of opportunities to brainstorm together and come at um, a, a pot- potential growth opportunity in, in a number of different ways. Okay, so that's effectively talking to the supplier. The supplier may say, "I've got a new product, a new switch, or a new uh, or a new passive component, whatever," and you take that, and then the product management group, you oversee the product management group and work with them what to produce a, a marketing plan to take that product out into the market. Right, right. So adding those products on our website is key to that. But then all of the other outbound marketing that we do to let the engineers that are creating tomorrow's products know that these solutions are now available. Right. So it's kind of a two way street of the supplier is launching the technology and then we are supporting marketing that to a massive customer base. Right. But then on the on the flip side of that, our team has access to a lot of different data points. Right. What are customers responding to? What are they looking Looking up on the web, uh, how does that influence our next investment decisions and that kind of thing? To say, you know, um, you know, when when COVID hit, there was a, a need for a lot of different types of sensors, right? So sensors with temperature, air quality, and these types of conversations, we have to expand our marketing range, content, and and stocked product to help support some of those trends. So that's a lot of what we provide in that relationship too. Okay, terrific. How how important do you think it is to see more women in leadership roles and, and what what should they be doing to try and inspire you know more women to get into engineering? Sure. Uh, I think it's very important. Uh, I think that leaders genuinely want fresh ideas and perspective. That's what differentiates them, right? So as they um, gain as many perspectives as possible, that helps them to achieve their goals and frankly, grab market share, right? Um, additionally, people want to feel that they can connect to that level, they can reach that level, and and that if they do their development work, then they can get to the point of making a larger influence, right? So I do think that it's important to have that representation there. Um, I will share an experience I had, you know, I was asked to be on a panel at one point and I had declined and said, oh, you should ask so-and-so, they're a veteran and, you know, they should uh, uh, be on this panel instead. And this was a diverse male at the time. And he said, Heather, we want to see you succeed and we want to see you on this panel because then I feel that I have a chance in this industry and that I can make it too. And I know that he 
probably never thought about that comment again, but that reel replays in my mind quite often, right? Mm -hmm. And that's a responsibility that I bear and I don't take it lightly. And that's why I think we need more diversity on teams, whether that's women or any kind of diversity, right? Is that we can then inspire our larger team to contribute at a higher level. Okay. And do you think it would be good uh, if, if you, if you like, if uh, women business leaders also went into colleges and schools, maybe to inspire a, you know, a younger generation as well? Absolutely. You know, I, I think back to my own collegiate experience and I think that's, um, you know, you see the a comment is, you know, inspired people inspire people. Right. And if you mm -hmm. can see that representation, then I think then you start to think about maybe industries you hadn't thought about or roles that you hadn't thought about. Um, and I think about that and just in terms of my even at a high school level, I think about some of the, the women at the front of the room that inspired me then and and made me think about opportunities that hadn't crossed my mind okay terrific in Farnell's survey uh, um, all the gender supported stronger policies around discrimination so can you just tell us how you know what Farnell is doing in particular to ensure there are strong policies in place Absolutely. You know, I think Farnell has always done a good job at this. I've been here um, pushing 11 years that I'll, I will have been with Farnell. Um, but actually, a part of the AppNet company has brought a lot of really interesting resources, too. Um, and I think it's a combination of things. Um, this is a very American saying, but the term greens fees, you know, like the baseline <laughs> things you got to do to get on the course. Um, those are things <laughs> like the, like the policy, right? So you have to have a good code of conduct. You got to have a good ethics, you know, uh, policy and approach. You know, I think that having fair recruitment and hiring efforts, of course, we need to be doing that kind of work. Um, but then you also have to talk about the way you form. Um, we now have a diversity, equity and inclusion lead for Avnet corporately. And that uh, initiative really helps kick off a number of other things. The support of ERGs. We have a women's uh, a women's uh, group that's a um, women's support group, um, the RISE group, and then also uh, through all of the executive ranks of Abnet, we have partnership with Women in Electronics, which is an industry group really helping to move this forward. So I think that's where, you know, you walk the talk is having mm -hmm. those types of efforts in place to support it. And then it really comes down to you have to bring it home with the actions, right? Thoughtful membership, mentorship pairings, right? Development opportunities for your high potential people, um, retention efforts and promotion efforts. Those are the things that you have that every leader has to do and how everyone can contribute to this conversation. I, I guess one of the issues to overcome, and I'm, I think it's, you know, it's there in a lot of people, albeit is this kind of, you know, unconscious bias and getting over that, you know, where, where people just don't think through rather than just just not think about what they're doing. And I'm just wondering if that's something that you address in Farnell. Yeah, we actually went through a whole um, module of unconscious bias training, and then they brought some experts, some really high-level acad academic uh, experts around this topic, and they had really nice resources that, frankly, opened my eyes to a lot of different things that, you know, situations that we're in that we could um, handle in a different way, and also ways to challenge each other in a really respectful way. So I think that those types of training bring in their experts. You know, it's, it's 
it's okay to admit that we don't have all the answers, but it is, it's wonderful to be able to bring the folks that really have been, uh, they have been exposed to many different variations of this conversation and they can give really solid advice. Right. So, uh, inevitably, I think we have to mention COVID-19 and its <laughs> impact, uh, ongoing impacts, I think. Um, so, do you feel COVID-19 has had an impact on companies across the industry and how they've adapted to support women, you know, things like working from home and flexible working hours? Mm -hmm. I think so. Um, you know, very frankly, I think that our industry would have eventually gotten to some of these things, but it just was hit, hit fast forward. And all of a sudden we were charged with conversations that we really had to get into the thick of that we weren't ready for. Right. So I actually think like the amount of nimble conversations and flexibility, even just for us to make different decisions. I think that was probably an interesting shakeup for us in this conversation. You know, um, I do think that the flexibility of working, and I wouldn't just say working mothers, working families, right? Mm -hmm. It is a challenge to balance and, and to be able to um, really ask that question to your manager if you do need flexibility. That's a pretty vulnerable situation, right? And so I think that we did open up that flexible working conversation in a new way, which I think is much more real. And I think that people can be much more honest about what it is that they're balancing. So I think the flexible working for both men and women has seen a change that I hope sticks. I think I hope that that's a silver lining of, of this uh, that experience, right? The other piece is that I think that often uh, a more a traditional approach for leadership roles is that you really had to be in the corporate headquarters to mm -hmm. be a, a, an effective leader. And yeah. it's not always easy for a woman to relocate for a job. Right. If you look statistically um, about child, you know, uh, care as well as elder care in, you know, their own parents and, and their aging family, that a lot of that load does statistically falls on women more often. So it's not always e easy to relocate. And I think that now companies are willing and I've heard of this in a couple different sessions is that companies are more willing to entertain remote leaders at a time yeah. like this. And I think that could be a tremendous advantage to women leaders. Mm -hmm. Well, I think it's also, is it, is it not giving you more flexibility? I was talking to a distributor here uh, last week, um, and, and one of the issues for them is just finding staff at the moment, because obviously it's, I'm sure I don't need to tell you, it's pretty hectic out there <laughs> at the moment. Um, right. And one of the advantages, in a way, of the technology we've got now, he doesn't have to hire people who are, close to the office, they can be 200 miles away as long as they've got the technology and check in and attend meetings. So have you seen a little bit of that in Farnell as well? Yeah, and I've heard some really encouraging conversations. I sat on a panel and a competitor mentioned that they hired someone who was in another location. And the agreement was, of course, to have travel in to meet the team and be present and have that visibility. Um, but then I also heard a great um, someone the other day was mentioning that, you know, they had someone who had retired and, you know, their dream was to live in rural um, America, right? and to, I think it was Tennessee or something like that, that they really, their, their dream was to move to Tennessee. And so they had retired to fulfill that dream, but then they really did need this role fulfilled by an expert. And so they called this person and sure, they could work remote. They, they were happy to, you know, to re-enter into this agreement. And so I think that helps. Um, and certainly as you look about, you look to 
diversify your teams, there aren't, aren't, um, you know, it isn't in par- the, the the talent pool isn't at parity today. So you do have to expand your horizons and potentially think about some of these options that could be available. So I hope that that is um, maybe, you know, a, a, a something we carry forward after this uh, pandemic experience. Absolutely. Um, I, I mean, one of the things and I just mentioned that, you know, it's pretty, pretty hectic uh, industry right now. Um, women are experiencing higher levels of burnout, leaving jobs as a result of increased pressures while working from home because of the pan- pandemic. How, how can women be better supported in this situation? Yeah, I think um, it is tricky. Um, it is a, a luxury for people to avoid burnout. Right. I mean, with all of the pressure on people today and all the balancing of responsibilities, um, it's it's a lot on our teams. Right. And I think that's why creating a culture where people can openly ask for what it is that they need is more important now than ever. Um, when I look if I were to rewind to five years ago, managers didn't necessarily think mental health was a tool in their toolkit, right? And mm-hmm. in the last two years, we've really been given that tool and some really neat training on it too. And so I think that that's a re- new, new it, it, it should have always been a responsibility of manor, managers, mm-hmm. but I think now they're more comfortable using it, right? And I think that that piece of it is a really important piece of employees and what they expect out of their manager too. I think the other part of this is, you know, being in, in being able to voice what you need. It's not always easy to ask that question of your manager. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, it's a bit vulnerable. Um, you don't know if um, you know how it's going to be perceived and that kind of thing. And I'll tell you, a lot of the folks that I mentor Traditionally, our conversation is around a five-year plan or a longer-term goal, and there are gaps that are from where they are today to that goal, and we build out plans on how to fill those gaps, and that's the nature of a lot of our mentorship. But I will say, in the conversations that I have today, they're having a hard time asking a tough question of their manager, and they want to practice with me. They want to talk about it with me, about how, you know, they are having burnout, and they need to talk about that with their manager, and they want to talk about how they can bring that up. And I, I, I found that to be really surprising, but at the same time, I'm really glad that I have I've created that culture with them within those sessions that I can help them develop in that area. And that's never been something that's part of my mentorship conversations previously. Sure. So I think that's what, you know, as managers and mentors of people, we have to be checking in with people and we have to create a space where they can truly ask for what it is that they need to be successful. Because very frankly, it is a it is a lot easier to keep you know keep people than try to rehire and train all the time right so let's try to make sure that people are happy where they're at and if they need flexibility let's talk about what that looks like and see if we can meet at all. Okay, and and do you think that's just become a bit more prevalent during COVID with and especially with the year the you know the industry everybody's been working hard in the distribution industry this year with pressures of going to customers and saying, well, I'm sorry, your part's not going to be here till maybe a bit later than you thought or the price is going up. So a lot of pressure on people. Has that that had an effect? Yeah, I think so. I think that's exactly what it is, right? You know, I think that people feel the the weight of the load in this time, right? Is that, you know, um, 
there's they're having to apologize a lot, right? They're having yeah. to apologize for the for something that's without their with outside of their control. Um, mm-hmm. Also, statistically, you'll see lots of articles that say that women apologize way too much. They apologize about everything, you know, and it's like, okay. we, we have to find ways of saying, okay, this is what I can control and what I can't control. And how do I, you know, work with some of that, you know, mental load that I have in, you know, and, and, you know, of course you, you are apologetic if you missed a, a ship date, right. Or that the price went up and that kind of thing. But living in that all the time, that's a lot of energy. That's just tough for people to bear. Right. And then mm-hmm. that's in addition to all the things that they're juggling in their personal life. Yep. So what would be your advice for younger women getting into the industry today? Sure. You know, I, I think that for me, it's a it's a couple different areas if I were to kind of rewind and do it again. Right. I think mm-hmm. that, um, you know, confidence isn't always a natural thing. So you do kind of have to work at it. And, you know, I think that being able to check in with yourself every six months or so and see what it is that you're proud of and what you've accomplished. I think that's a nice way to reflect on the growth that you're having. You know, some people do that as part of a resume review every six months or maybe reviewing their LinkedIn profile. But just think about some of the ways that you're growing, even in times like right now, man, people are building their resilience in an, in a phenomenal way. Right. So think mm-hmm. about it in the ways that 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 people are growing. Um, and then I also heard this at, in another um, you know training that I did one time, and, and I absolutely wholeheartedly believe in it. You have to build your personal board of directors. So who are those people that you can really trust, you know, when you're up against a hard decision or you're maybe going after a role or or you're considering a change, you know, who are those people that can give you some really harsh feedback or, you know, help you to reflect on your own ability in a bit in a bit different way. And some of those people at work, some of those people are personal, you know, so I think, you know, being able to have that group of people that you can really trust um, and then, you know, be thoughtful about what you want to accomplish, you know, try to build out a plan further than today um, and then be visible and build your network around that, right? I think that often, you know, it's uncomfortable to, you know, get into some of these more vulnerable parts around like visibility and your network and your reputation and that kind of thing. But very frankly, like, you know, you have to try to set the table, you know, a little earlier in your career on what it is you want to be known for and what value you want to have, right? So I I would give that advice is to start thinking about those and do a bit of a reflection on what you want want to be as you enter an industry. Okay, and would you say enthusiasm is the other thing? Because it's coming, you know, you sound very enthusiastic about what you're doing. I mean, that to me is always the other point to look for and and something that any candidate for a job, I guess male or female in a way, should be looking to do and and, and elicit over to to the interviewer. Absolutely. I mean, I I guess... um... You should always have passion for what it is that you're doing, right? So, you know, if you aren't enthusiastic about the topic at hand or the role at hand and whatnot, then you really should start thinking about what's motivating you, right? If that's not going to make you excited and and help you bring your energy to it, then maybe it isn't a wonderful fit. And, you know, I think, you know, in the spirit of this, um, you know, the study that we did in the industry and that kind of thing, you know, folks who went to school as for an engineer, right, in one discipline, 
So many things change so rapidly now. So there's, um, you know, new technology advancements and, you know, 5G, 6G, all, all the next things that are coming, Internet of Things, um, a lot of things that are challenging engineers in a new way that's different from what they studied. So it's okay to be able to, you know, pivot into something that might either be trending or, or, or fits more in your in, in, um, interests. But I think many leaders, um, when interviewed, are going to say it's not always a clear-cut road to get there. Sometimes there's a move to the side. Sometimes there's another type of project. Sometimes it's a step up and then a step back and that kind of thing. I think you just have to, you know, be able to ask yourself what it's, what's fueling you and then, you know, ask what it is that you need to get to the next place. But, you know, if you aren't passionate about it, um, you certainly shouldn't be wasting your time. We only have so much time, you know, so, so let's be doing things that we like, right? Thank you very much for your insights. Much appreciated. Thank you. I appreciate the time. Pleasure. Pleasure. Electronic specifier.